Welcome to the Organic Gardener Podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Beyer. Let's get growing. Welcome to the show today. I am super excited to introduce my guest, Jim Swanson. He's been a good friend of mine for um, ever since I moved here practically. He's one of Mike's best friends. Um, he's lived in this area for a long time. Now he lives in Big Fork, Montana, which is about a hundred miles south of me. But even though it's south of me, I think your climate's a little bit chillier than ours, right? Well, welcome to the show, Jim. First, let me let you say hi. Hey, thanks for having me. And go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, I guess. So, and, and Big Fork is a little bit of a higher elevation than up here in Eureka, right? Well, um, it is a little higher than Eureka, but I don't think it's quite as high as you guys are at your place there. I don't oh. know. You you may have about the same growing season I do. I'm not sure, you know. Oh, I thought you guys had snow longer than we did. We're well, like, we, uh, I, think... Really, I think normally we do, but it's, it's not because um, we're higher. It's just because we get so much more. Oh. Where where I live is right on the edge of a, a small rainforest, and it's the only one in this, you know, this part of the country. And you got to clear out in Washington before you get to another one. But um, due to that, like you know, when Kalispell gets an inch or two, or maybe two inches of rain in a couple of days, we'll get double that here. Oh, and, and the same with that. snowfall. Uh-huh. You know, they get couple inches in town and we'll end up with a foot out of the deal so yeah i knew you had more snow it's just kind of the way the, the confluence of the mountains come uh-huh. in behind us we've got the columbia range that runs right up behind me and then right there is also is the beginning of the swan range and so where those two mountain ranges meet kind of makes its own little weather system there and that's what create i think pretty much caused the little bit of a rainforest we got going but and that's, that's part of what makes it so beautiful down there i mean big fork's like one of the prettiest places in montana don't you think oh yeah i do well but mm-hmm. the lake's got a lot to do with that but then just mm-hmm. a lot the extra moisture in the air helps with the green mm-hmm. the greenery and the you know all the different able to grow fruit and stuff and but now, did you grow up in your? You grew up in Eureka, right? Yeah, yeah. I was born in Whitefish and raised in Eureka. Or I failed to grow up, but I they tried. <laughs> for I think I finally, oh, the first time I had it, I left. I think I was eighteen. I went over to Eastern Montana right after I got out of high school, and then um, I was working in the oil field and. And a buddy of mine, Jim Fowler, called, got a hold of me and said him and his brother were thinking about going to Alaska, wondered if I wanted to go. And I quit my job the next day and raced back to Eureka to get in on that deal and began a, quite a journey. Wow. Huh. And then, uh, um, well, is that with Danny? He worked up there for years, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I ended up uh, crossing paths with Dan, too, but... Yeah, originally it was Jim Fowler and Mark Fowler and Kurt Clark and myself. We all flew up to Anchorage the first time together and and then lived together for the first well, the first year there. Well, first we lived in a tent, and then um, once we was finally able to secure a place to rent, by then we all shared rent. And Kurt, he had him a pretty good job right off, so it wasn't too long before he, he had a girlfriend and then went off and got his own place, but... The rest of us, we all hung together, and, and uh, I think Kurt's wow. the only one left in Alaska now. Wow. Exciting. All right. Well, um, so I always kind of like to start the show asking everybody about their very first gardening experience. Like, you know, how old were you? Were you a kid, an adult? What'd you grow? Who were you with? Can you tell us, share a little bit about that? Like- sure, yeah. The, my memory of my first gardening experience is with... Uh, Probably with my mom working in her garden when we had oh uh, we had a place up there just up next to the nursing home in Eureka there that my mom always had real nice flower gardens and then a, a big large garden where we grew our vegetables and cool and so that was my first that was my introduction to gardening and and she of course was totally organic herself so that was the only kind of garden we ever ever really knew. Okay, so then um, one question I kind of like to ask everybody is like, what does organic gardening or earth-friendly gardening mean to you? Well, just pretty much you've got to make your own soil and 
um, I don't, you know, I don't add any artificial nutrients or anything like that. Cool. Um, and then who or what inspired you to use organic techniques? Like, was it growing with your mom or was there something yeah, else? Oh, yeah, that you? sure. That, just knowing the way she did it and mixed her and made her own soil. And, of course, she always used cow manure and then mixed some horse manure and sawdust. And, I mean, she just flat made her own soil. And so that's once we started raising the llamas here at Fantasyland, by then that's when we went with I just started making my own composted llama dung. Hey, so you want to tell us a little bit about that and the lot? How many llamas do you have? Uh, we're down to six. We got six females now, right now, and no males were, are, um, well, a few years back, we had a grizzly come in and murdered our youngest upcoming male, and then shortly after that, poor Benny, our, our old male, who had done most all the breeding, or always, I guess, had done all our breeding for us, he succumbed to, I don't just old age, I guess he got to where he couldn't get up, and and so I ended up having to let him go or, you know, put him down. But, um so and since then now we've just had the six females and I'm not we don't have a breeding program or nothing anymore. I could come across a nice good male young male that I could work with and and had a good bloodline on them. I'd probably grab them up, but just the llama. Uh, there's you know it's just got to be purely for pleasure because there's just not any money in them here in Montana. Uh huh. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the llamas at all? Like how you got into that, or? Um... Well, I was just on a whim, uh, mountain trader. You know, it'll get you every time. I <laughs> read in the mountain trader one day how there was a uh, oh, it was eleven llamas for sale, make offer or whatever, and so I couldn't. You know, gee, how could you not make an offer on eleven llamas if you? You could if you didn't know anything about it, of course. And, <laughs> and, but I'd had all this property, you know, on my five acres or just a little over five acres. And then uh, um, a buddy of mine, Kevin Parker, his dad has an orchard down on the lake, and I'd helped him put a bunch of new wire up. So I ended up with all of his old wire he was going to throw out. And so I ended up fencing a good portion of my property for just helping Bobby fence his cherry orchard. And, so that once my my property was fenced, I was just looking for something to raise, you know, and and that's I've seen that article, and so I I talked to my girlfriend at the time, and oh, she you know she didn't think it'd be the best idea, but of course it was in the middle of one of the worst winters we ever had here in Montana, the the it was the winter of '96, and so we'd had um, over 10 feet of snow in the yard here that I had to keep renting a bobcat to dig our way out and, you know, open and keep the road open and stuff. And, and it had started in early November. It had started snowing and snowed and snowed feet at a time for days. And anyways, after it was, I think it was just after Thanksgiving, why um, it quit snowing and started raining. And then I'd been shoveling on the roof of the house all that day, and so I, I looked over at the shop I'd built there that just that that summer, and and thought, God dang, boy, I got to get over there. But I just, you know, it was like eleven o'clock at night, and I was beat. So I came in, and about four o'clock in the morning, I heard a big crash, and I went out and shined a flashlight around and couldn't see what it, what it was, and so I went back to bed. And next morning, I got up and went out, and there was my shop is just kind of turned inside out. And, oh no. And, yeah, and so then all that snow that was piled up on top of that had turned into like a funnel, and now it was all funneled right into the that uh, oh, a Mazda and a house or a sailboat that had turned into a houseboat, and and uh, what else? An old Ford pickup, I guess, in there when that collapsed on it, and it took me days to just to dig the snow off there enough to where I could get down in there and see how much damage there was to the stuff, and luckily the truck it had a pipe rack on it so it was it was protected but the Mazda it had a sunroof and the, right where the tin feet on the roof why it, it uh, was funneling the water right in the roof of my nice little Mazda car I parked in the shop there so and then wait bad. so this is before you had the llamas or uh, like right yeah, when you were well, going to bring them was, home 
Yeah, it was that same winter, and we didn't have the llamas yet. And um, so then at Christmas time is when I ended up buying this herd of llamas. Me and a buddy of mine, Jim Culbertson, went in on the llamas. And so I brought in the, I had to bring the bobcat in anyways because the snow I'd shoveled off the roof of the house. The snow was piled up so deep that you could just step right off the roof of the house onto the the snow. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, if it was going to snow anymore, I wasn't going to be able to get rid of it. So I brought the bobcat in, and but I knew the llamas was going to be coming first break in the weather. So I'd just taken that bobcat and and shoveled open the big, you know, plowed an area down to the ground and then just piled the snow up. We didn't even have any fence up on that pen that we were moving them into. And and uh, so then they... Now, was it? they tell came. the audience, what do you do with llamas? Like, did you get them for packing out in the backcountry well, or did you get them I, for I eating? Or them what, on were a they, whim thinking you know, that they'd be people... worth money, you know. And... Uh, or the fur? When I... What when I first got them, I, I didn't know anything about it at all, you know, and so I'd, we'd had the herd brought in, and within just a few days, one of the females died. And I didn't have any paperwork on them. I just met the people that I was buying them from, and so I'd, I'd uh, contacted the lady that I'd bought them from and told them, hey, ma'am, I'm, you know, I need, I need the birth certificates and I need to know what the ages are on these llamas because one of them has died already, and I told you that was just what I didn't want. And so before I could even say, you know, she knew right who it was. and So she'd said, hello, she was 23 years old, and, oh. um, you know, they just don't ever live much longer than that. And I, oh. Well, you know, but you have to divulge that to me. <laughs> When I bought that, that was she was just about to die, and and so at any rate, I was pretty upset with her, and so then she was trying to make conversation with me, and and she said, "Oh, have you decided what you'll name your ranch yet?" And I said, "Well, no, I haven't, but I suppose it's going to have to be Fantasyland because I think that's where I'm stranded or whatever." And so then that name stuck, and so that's how we. Ended up with the name of Fantasyland Llamas for our llama ranch. And, oh. I and was same with our that. driveway then. When Homeland Security had its name, our driveway, then um, we had it, we named it Fantasy Lane. And so oh, it's uh-huh. pretty fortunate that way. Uh, so, okay. Uh, well, let's get back to the gardening part. So how yeah. did you learn how to garden, garden organically? From your mom? Yeah. Yeah, it was due to my mother. I'd help her in the garden, and I'd watch her mix the soil and make her own soil the way she did and stuff. So as soon as I had the llamas and creating as much dung as they do, and which, of course, they, um, the males will crap in the same spot every time, and so you could just about put a bucket there if you could get them to crap in the bucket, you know. And, <laughs> So my plan was to always just dig a hole and then put a bucket in the ground that was just about ground level and then, you know, put it but put it where they defecated. But of course Benny he always he had a couple different spots but it was always right in a rock pile, so I just never did get to do that. And then the females, they used to be where they, while they was eating, they'd just you know, they'd just crap while they was eating, but finally they figured out that we only had so much area and so now they've started keeping all their dung in the same pile too it's worked out pretty good but then once they've done that it just makes it so so easy to clean up and and then just you know i have a big spot where i let it break down and i stir it and mix it and um oh it it makes excellent for or excellent growing medium uh-huh awesome all right so tell us about something that grew well last season. You know, did, was there something you grew last summer that uh, yeah, came out our, really our well? Our tomato crop, or we did real well with our tomatoes and our our peppers, all all different kinds of peppers. We've got a little bit of a a hot house on our front porch, and I've got it covered with the clear so that, and so that's where we do our tomatoes and our peppers and. They all did real good, and then, oh, I don't know, hold on. Last year wasn't a real phenomenal year for our squash, but we still ended up with a couple hundred pounds. I, or we're, I still got squash right now that's good from last year, but we're going to have to eat it up here pretty quick because it's getting down to, you know, we've got probably, oh, maybe five or six 
nice spaghetti squash and a couple butternuts and you know, that's stuff that you know we we had quite a bit. So our our squash usually does real well in it too. And so, do you have any like secrets or tips like why you think things did so well or anything that you did to make it um, so prolific? Well, I'm, I, it's mainly is the the soil. It's the llama dung, or the composted llama dung, and then when I prepare my beds each spring and all, I I just take and add more of the raw dung in, and then mix that up a little bit and then put a little compost over the top of that and so that's um that's what i contribute all my all my best gardening to is the dung because and do you grow those in raised beds or right in the ground yeah right in the ground okay cool uh how about some you know prepared beds Uh uh-huh and like, how big are your beds? Can I like, you know, four feet by oh, ten feet? Well, what I what, I, what I've got is I got a couple different Costco structures oh. that I've got over them, over my bed, and so my my beds are ten feet wide and twenty feet long, and then I just put the mat wow. down, and just wherever I want my plant is where I'll put the, you know, otherwise I leave the weed mat down because I just don't have time for weeding. And so I don't, you know, maybe once or twice I'll get in there and pull what weeds are. But if you if you put that mat down then and, and you just put a hole where you're going to have your plant, it really works well. You just, I, I'm just amazed at how great it is. And are you getting that at Costco? That's like that ground cover, right, is what you're talking uh-huh. about? Yeah. Cool. That's just the cover. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And, then, and I, I know years ago, um, before I started using that, this mat, um, I'd just use the black plastic, you know, anything to keep the light from getting to the to the other seed so that it could, you know, because, you know, once it gets a little moisture and a little sunlight, it's going to sprout if it's, but you throw that over that and it just makes it like a little, little oven in there. Nothing, nothing else comes up except for what you're growing. It works really well. Awesome. Uh, how about something you're excited to do different this year coming up or something you want to try new? Anything you're going to do different? Uh, well, I, I just got um, some new plants I'm going to grow this year, but um, other than that, I, I, everything's going to be the same. Other, well, I am going to try to do a, a, a more of a compost tea. I was just watering with straight water, and I want to, I'm going to take and bag up some of the composted dung and then just cut the corner out of one of my feed bags and run water through it. I've done that. A few different times, but I don't. I'm going to try and do that more this year. Mike makes a compost that, tea with the chicken manure. Yeah, that really. I think it really makes a difference. It does, but boy, does it stink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's the, the, you know, the good garden. Yeah. Uh, tell me about something that didn't work so well last season. Was there something that didn't go the way you wanted it to? Hmm. Uh, well, I guess sales on the llama dung could have been up. <laughs> oh, so you sell that? Oh yeah, you bet. Fifty pound, fifty pound bag of composted dung for ten dollars, and you know that's for the locals. But if someone does a, is willing to pay shipping, I'll send them all they want. You know, <laughs> huh? Or deliver within uh-huh. a, within a hundred and fifty miles. <laughs> uh. Do you uh, ever sell like a pickup load full? Um, well, I I have before, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I I only sold one. The guy never seen the guy again. I didn't know if that was because he was so happy or if he was unhappy. I never did hear a word out of him. Uh, I, I now, what do you pickup. feed the llamas? Do you feed them hay in the winter or what? Oh yeah, what yeah. I feed, oh, I feed hay year round. Oh. I just I feed a little less in the spring and summer, but I always feed them a, 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 at least a half a flake each day, and then pellets. I I use the hay just as a base to put my pellets on because we only a couple of the llamas get to eat in shelters. The rest of them all have to be, you know, they have their designated area where they get to eat. Or otherwise, it just doesn't work out. So and I don't have I've got. Llama shelters, a lot of different places, and then we've got a barn, but like you can't let them in the barn because they just go right for the haystack. So, oh, uh-huh. 
So oh. which they don't they don't really care to use the shelter anyways in the you know, in the wintertime when it's really cold that's when they'll they'll all huddle the two or three'll get on one side in shelter and two or three'll get in the other side and and uh, other than that why they they all wanna be out this time of year they're trying to position themselves. They they sleep one looking one way and another one looking the other way and they're they're watching for the bear and the mountain lion and so they're pretty they're on top of everything. Nothing can come around here without me finding out. Mm-hmm. Um, they found the alarm. They, even the neighbor's cat shows up, they'll usually sound the alarm that something's here and so then you have to determine if they're scared and go out and see what's going on, what it is. But everybody's kind of nervous. We had this grizzly this time of year. The grizzlies are just coming too, and so that was a few years back when the grizz came in and ate the snowy mountain boy. That was pretty traumatic for the girls because they all was just right there watching. He'd he'd sacrificed himself to save the herd. You know, is what Aww. happened. Pretty boring. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What a great guy, and he—that's just how much he loved them girls. So he'd do anything for he even give up his. Uh, um, now, can you use llama like um, I don't—is it their fur or whatever? Like a sheep, like wool? Is that? Oh, you bet. Yeah, yeah it's excellent. And do you and have to? They sh- even have a place down here in the Flathead now that you can get it all. Carted out, they call it. They call it carding, and it's you know getting all the little other fibers and stuff out of their hair. Cause that was that was the first thing. Was I thought I was gonna be a big uh, wool king, you know? And uh-huh. but I I got myself a spinning wheel, and I got me a couple of little hand carters, and and um, first time I sat and started trying to clean and cart out some, I spent about an hour and a half, two hours doing it. And I had a hand wad, and you know, fit in a baggie. And I, well, Jesus, I'm not, I don't have time to do this, so I never did mess with it again. And um, now they've got an outfit where you can just shear your llamas, take it, take your wool in, and they, they clean it, and um, they, I think they even spin it for you if you want, or you know, some people like to spin their own. So, but yeah, it's, uh, I haven't ever taken any in yet, but. Well, it's just about the right time to have some. Uh, I got a couple gals at Daisy May. She needs to have a haircut, and I'm, but she knows I'm. She knows I'm thinking about it, so I can't never catch her at the right time in the right spot <laughs> where I can get a halter on her because she knows I'm going to share her if I do. So she's watching me awful close. And then Lula, she's our pure white one, and she. We usually share her every every summer or every other summer. Now this year she's looking real nice, so I probably won't share her this summer. But I've still got a big bag of wool from her from last year that I I've been never I haven't done anything with. But I just hate to throw it away now mm-hmm. that I know I can get it carded if I want to. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, I was talking to um, Siri the other day about the sheep that they have back here behind us and asking her kind of about that. And she said that there's an outfit that comes in and she was talking about where they go in the valley here. And then when they come to oh. their place and help them shear their sheep. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we um, just have our own shears. So we end up, it's a, that's Jeannie been trying to get me to have a shearing party. Uh-huh. But I, I don't know who to invite. <laughs> my one neighbor that always, you know, he just loved to help me, but he's not very big, and so I'd, I'd hate for anything to happen to him. And it was the same with that, you know, everybody else. Uh, now, if, if I could get old Ted Hinkle to come back around, uh, <laughs> last time he was around, I put him to work immediately. We, I think we last, we did a round of vaccinating and. And uh, something else, that no toe trimming or something that day when he stopped in. But now he ain't been back in a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's always good for putting to work. Uh, now, do llamas spit or kick or anything? Do you have to worry about any of that kind of stuff? Your well, llamas are pretty you know, friendly, right? You start messing with their their belly or their feet, and they're, so they're going to fidget and twitch and stuff, you know, and, um, fight you a little bit till they figure out. You know, I mean, uh, I've had to do a lot of different stuff with them, and and uh, I have been spat on before. And when usually when it was, it's when you're trying to make them do something they don't really want to do that you'll get spat on. And I'd uh, oh, I'd had one of the 
Lula, she'd stepped on a, uh, I don't know, she'd done something, poked something in her foot, and where it got infected her, uh, oh. it was her right front leg. And, but, you know, so you just, you had the doctor, and so I, I once I seen what was going on, I, I'd take and put some salt water in a, in a pan or hot salt water, pretty warm salt water, and then I'd make her stand there with her foot in that bucket. <laughs> you know, and of course, just the idea of making you them wanting, or you trying to make them do anything, they hate that. And so, well, we had quite a wrestling match there for a while, but then finally she figured out it was helping, and heck, she just about put her own foot in the bucket by the time we was done, you know. And, <laughs> So it's just more or less Always letting them see that you're not, you know, you're not trying to hurt them. Or they, that's the thing is you just got to know how to. I did when we first got them. I I did some studying on them, and the the thing is, is if you have your hand open when you approach them, they view you as a predator because as a a mountain lion or a cougar or the, one of their main predators, you know, their paw is. If you close your paw, well, then they realize you're, you know, unless, um, that you're not going to try to swipe at them with a paw. And I don't know. It took me, once I started learning that about them and started paying attention a little bit, why well, I learned learned quite a bit. And, you know, now I, we got them. Of course, ours, you know, ours are spoiled rotten. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they get treats. And so they're, it, it's easy to make them, get them to come to you or whatever. If they think they're going to get something, they just come a running and, now, uh, between the llamas and the cat, I don't know, you just whistle and everybody shows up. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that Valerie Hogan, who's got that Poverty Flats place up here oh, by yeah. the border, her llamas yeah. are super nice. Like, we would take the Head Start oh, kids there and not have to worry about them running around, and the, the llamas yeah. were pretty friendly. So they're pretty nice animals. Oh, uh, yeah, they're great. They're they're just fun to watch, you know. They, they've got their own personalities, and they... They like to run and play, and you know, they, you got some that are, are uh, well, it's like Lula. She's well, originally when she first came, like, her mom was, she'd wanted to be dominant from the time she'd got into the herd, but we already had a a gal that was at the head of the pecking order, and so it was a. She seen her mom battling everybody all the time, and so then she came with a bad attitude. And, so for the longest time, we called her the mean baby because she, even just as a baby, why she could put her ears back and put on a little show and why nobody nobody wanted any of it. They'd just walk away, you know. So she's convinced herself that she's in charge, and, you know, in reality, she's not. But if you ask her, she is. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So let's kind of get back to the garden. So, um... How about something that you find that's easy to grow and generally successful every time? Would that be the squash? You talked about the squash, or is there something else? Oh, yeah, well, the squash, now here in the last few years, I've been, uh, of course, that's just off off course of what you're wanting me to talk about, but I've been trying to grow some melons here the last couple of years because I've got a spot on top of the hill where my original dung piles were. That's where I put these Costco shelters up. And um, I set them up to where I can just cover them with plastic, but so far I haven't. I just leave them, well, I, I read the original one I did have covered for a while, but now the last couple of years I've just been leaving them open air. And uh, I have a small greenhouse down here by the house that I'll get my stuff started in and then move it up into the beds. But uh, I've managed to grow cantaloupe and watermelon and uh let's see oh and a musk melon i've grown and so they haven't they're not getting real big but i am actually able to grow melons here so i'm pretty amazed by that but we by far our best crop probably is squash uh so where are you getting the seeds from for the cantaloupes and the watermelon like what do you think's making that successful well uh, a lot of it's the the amount of sunlight they're getting, because huh? I got them right on top of my hill. So as soon as the sun comes up high enough to shine down, why then it it shines. There's you know that's where they're getting the most sunlight. And the same with all day long, and then to sunset, you know they're still getting good light even right up to dusk when the sun starts to settle. Why then, 
it's it, that, and then the dung. I, I mean, I, you know, it's, it always harks back to that. Um, now, do you have them? Um, they're growing. Do you have the? Because um, I'm just thinking, you know, it was down to like 26 last night. I think we had, and 22 this weekend. Like they'd still be in your greenhouse now, right? Like when do you put those out? Like around yeah, June, I haven't July? Even, I haven't even started yet now, uh-huh, and that's uh-huh. normally I'll be heating my greenhouse by this time and I'll have my starts out there but um I I'm just planning on mm-hmm. buying a little bit bigger plants this starch, you know, this year mm-hmm. and for my tomatoes. Is that but where you're I'll, getting them from uh, starts or are you putting seeds like in growing the starts right in the I, I lost you there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought maybe I just finally wore you out and you just hung up. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, Skype will drop a call every once in a while. Oh yeah. Okay, oh, so you're re- on Skype, huh? Yeah, that's the only well, way I know how to record a call. That's why it says I'm calling from California. You're gonna have to show me how to do that. Oh, okay, yeah. The Skype, so then I could be right. I could be on my computer skyping. Yeah. I knew how to do it. Yeah, and it's it's nice because it has a really clear sound. Oh, excellent. And it's free. So, yeah, right. And that's um, and you can Skype with anybody, and and then you can see them too, can't you? Yeah, you can if you do a video call. Yep. Uh huh. I just yeah, do audio just... calls, but you can do a video call for sure. I'll be darned. Yeah, yeah. I want you to show me how to do that. Yeah, it's real easy. I know. Uh, that's right here. Okay, so um, I was just asking. So, do you? By starts, or do you put seeds in the seeds in well, pots? Well, we do we do both, but huh? um, okay. normally we'll buy the tomato plants, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh-huh. just little starts, uh-huh. and also with the peppers. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess maybe some of the squash too, but we uh, we like to do the. I always like the heirloom seed. Just you know, make your own seed, and then. Uh-huh save it from your squash that grew here the year before it usually grows pretty good you know uh one of my guests a couple of weeks ago was this woman robin out of whitefish you might be interested in and she has an heirloom seed library where you can borrow some seeds and then let's say you borrow five seeds and then you just have to bring five seeds back the next year but she's got some cool seeds there and we have every year's we save seed out of everything that we grow every oh, cool. year, so that was I was wondering if I shouldn't have an add in the high times or something because huh? we make all kinds of seeds here at Fantasyland. Oh, all right. Well, uh, we'll talk about that another day, maybe. How no, about just- something you would steer new gardeners away from that you find is typically challenging to grow down in that climate? Hmm. Well, let's see. I don't have much luck with the carrots, but that you don't like, you don't want to grow your carrots in a in your composted dung, anyways. From what I hear, so um, that's you know that's I just don't have very good luck with them. But then I have never tried growing them up on top of the hill where I've got all my major gardens now. I've always had a a garden spot right across the street from the house here, but uh, it just doesn't get as much light. So I'm trying to get everything yep. moved up there. Carrots like a lot of sun, I think. Yeah, huh, that's they interesting. Do. I yeah, wonder. And then, uh... Uh... Go ahead. Oh, we used to grow potatoes too, but I just I just stopped growing potatoes because you can get them so darn cheap that there's so many potato farms around in the area that that I stopped growing them myself. Uh-huh. Oh, it's just major, major. Oh, the tomatillas and the tomatoes and the peppers. Cause we make our own homemade salsa, and, and uh, oh, the wife, I think she made some tomato, homemade tomato juice this year. And Ooh, that sounds good. Made, oh yeah, you just you can't beat the homemade stuff. Uh, how about which activity is your least favorite activity to do in the garden? Is there something you got to force yourself to oh, get out there and go that's, do? That's I. That's the worst part of the go home gardening is weeding, and that's why I recommend just using that that mat weed mat, and that it really cuts down on that. And that you know that's what eats up all your time is having to pull the dang weeds. So. Uh huh. Uh-huh. 
cool. You know, Mike was laughing at me because like one of my guests at the beginning was talking about um, the row covers and the mats and stuff. And I was like, what is that? And he was telling me all about it. Mike's like, I've been trying to get you to get me that stuff for years. <laughs> I just can't seem to ever Next afford it. Be, I'll give you a roll. <laughs> and he, but, like, he pulled out this magazine. He's like, see here, I've been showing you. I've been telling you. And I was like, oh. Yeah. So I've learned a ton just since I started this podcast. I got to say, sure. everybody's just been sharing great stuff. Well, and, every time you talk to someone and they tell you something you didn't know, that's a bit of knowledge right there. Yeah, you know? and that's the whole point, just to share people's knowledge, like kind of yeah, like they say, the best around. ways to learn. Uh-huh. That's why I, that's why I say you just spread it around, spread the knowledge. Same thing with the Fantasyland brand Llama Dung. You just spread it around. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, 406 how about... 837-3694. <laughs> cool. Uh, how about, what's your favorite activity to do in the garden? Oh, uh, harvest, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about the best crop you ever grew. Like, was there one crop that was just fantastic? One year, oh, one season, I something you, grew that blue? My best one was accidental, and that's uh-huh. how I stumbled oh, cool. onto the composted llama dung. Was um, well, I'd clean up the dung, and then uh, we'd had the lower garden down here across the street from the house that I was talking about, and I'd taken and. Um, had, there were some tomatoes that had got froze, and I hadn't harvested them. And so then when I cleaned up those beds, why well, I took all that stuff and put it in the compost, and one of those seeds came up. And I hadn't checked on, uh, you know, I wasn't planning on growing nothing in the compost pile. So I hadn't, well, I had my best tomato plant ever. It was, it was probably about six feet tall. And it must have had probably 80 pounds of tomatoes on it. it was oh, my goodness. I've, I've never seen a tomato plant so loaded with fruit in my life. And so that was that's what got me. And, and once I seen that, I, I started growing everything in llama dung. And, uh, oh, all cool. my All of my beds have it in it. So And then, so, and then my mom, she used it in her, um, her rose beds and stuff. And, and then... She grew award-winning roses, and so then a lot of her friends that she knew started wanting the dung, and that was how that's how I got into selling the llama dung was because I, you know, I couldn't just drive to town to give you a bag of dung. I had to at least make something so I could cover the gas, and so it turned out I started out at seven bucks for a fifty-pound bag, and nowadays it's ten dollars for a fifty-pound bag, but it's nice clean dirt, and it's you know you just can't beat it. Nice. I didn't know that story. Cool. Well, that kind of leads into one of my next questions. Have you ever entered a fair? Uh, oh, um, with my produce? Yeah, or anything. Um, I uh, see. I, I no, I guess I haven't. I know that. Well, I think it was was it a year or two years ago. I thought about trying to enter a bud I had that was about a foot long and about as big around as your arm. But I was afraid that I didn't know if they had a category for that, and so I didn't. <laughs> yeah, well, but maybe think, coming well, soon. You know, when it's legal for you to have, I think we should be able to compare and compete. It's the same with the photos and calendars of, with the marahutas on there. I, you know, I, that's that's they can't keep you from it once it's legal for you to do it or have it. So. Uh, we should have well, get on more that. Calendar. I think you should get on the committee to have um, the medical marijuana at the Kalispell County Fair. Yeah, well, I, I don't do the Kalispell Fair is my deal because they're too big. Oh. They want a million. You got to have a million dollar liability policy to do business there. You're kidding. And we we always like to go to the Eureka Fair, the Plains uh-huh. Fair, that kind of stuff because they're glad they gladly welcome me with open arms, you know. And of course, uh, my wife she makes the tie dyes, right. and so we always like to go up and sell the tie dyes at the fair. And um, boy, she should be entering some of them in the fair too. But I guess uh-huh. we kind of have in different ways. We we got the one guy at the uh, was going to be in on the bowl thing where they sit at the table and he come and wanted to tie dye and so we gave him one that had a target on it <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was ahead at the bowl thing there they they spoke about him frequently the boy with the target on his chest <laughs> cool 
Um, how about the best gardening advice you ever received? Go organic. Cool. I like that. Excellent. Um, how about a favorite tool that you like to use? Like if you had to move and could only take one tool with you, what would it be? Well, boy, I tell you, it'd probably have to be my crane. But other than that, I'd go with a little hand spade. That oh, that little deal where you can you twist and it. Um, it's not a spade, but it oh, it just works so good for busting up the soil and and making your spot where you're going to plant your seed. You know, if that okay. was the only. Otherwise, it'd have to be my uh, leather man, I suppose. But that doesn't really have much to do with gardening. Uh, right, but I could never, I, I, you know what, I just posted a blog on my artist page today about, um, I've been listening to this new podcast called Montana Road Tripping, and it's these two girls that talk about traveling around Montana and going on these little road trips, and they, one of their first ones is, what would you, um, you know, about packing for your road trip and things you don't want to forget? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't go anywhere without my pocket knife, and I just, yeah, I can't oh, imagine, my pocket knife you. and my headlamp, I can't imagine living in Montana. I'm always right. amazed at people. Well, I use my headlamp every day, like several yeah. times a day, and my pocket knife. Well, so another right, man, I can see. Mm-hmm. You should be using that headlamp at night. For sure. All right, so but I use it every night. Use it in the day. I know where you're at. It's so dark that you got to use it in the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no way, well, you know, in the winter, in the mornings, and in the winter, you know, oh, it gets no, pretty I dark. know all about it. Pretty, yeah, I've uh, got a, I've got a headlamp. Answer. I keep close to my bed. Yeah. You oh. got to. Uh, but wait, but when you first started talking, you said your crane. What do you do with your crane? What's what's your crane? Uh, Tell us about that. Oh, I got a 10,000-pound mobile crane, and it's got, a, oh, I do tree removals, and it's got a drill on it for, you know, it was a utility truck, and so it's um, got one of them drills for putting telephone poles in the ground, but it really works great for planting trees, and and I was and thinking probably of digging and, fence post holes. Oh yeah, it works. Yeah, I, but except for my smallest bits, a foot around. So, oh. um, but you know, a foot isn't bad. By the time you put a post in there that's six inches or eight inches around, why well, you, you barely got room for cement or fill either one. You know, so it it works good for that. But I've got the bigger eighteen inch bit on, and it really works slick for you. Just poke a hole in the ground and then put fill that hole with dung. And then plant on top of that, just plant and do individual holes. I I just came up with that idea for this year. I was I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to see if I can get the crane up on top of the hill and do that and make a little garden that way. So that you're just instead of having a whole garden full of dung, just have your growing right. holes full of dung. And that should reduce your weeds. Right. Cool. I like that idea. Uh huh. Yeah. All right, yeah, let us know how that works. Yeah, I'll have to try her out and see. I, 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 was, I just thought of it this last winter. I was trying to think of different things I could use it for when it was sitting there. Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> That's one there. All right, so here's a question. Some of my guests are always like, I don't know what you mean, but like, it's, it's like, do you have any tips for eating or harvesting vegetables or fruit on time? Because my problem is always like, I go down, I pick this huge basket of lettuce, and then... You know, maybe I'll have time to wash it that day, or usually not. And then the next day I wash it, and then it gets wet and soggy. Like, got any tips for eating or harvesting well, things on time? Well, it depends on if you're planning on saving it for a while. You don't wash it. You uh-huh. don't wash it until you're ready to eat it. And then the other thing is, is when you when you harvest your vegetables or your fruits, you don't pull the end off of the the pepper or the tomato. You leave that all attached. Same with oh. your cherries. You leave the stem on the cherry or the apple until you're ready to use it because they stay fresher. You pull that off, and then you start right away. You bleed out the freshness through the top. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, your vegetables last way longer that way. All right. Uh, how about secrets for preserving food or making it last? Do you guys freeze anything or can anything? You said oh, you yeah. make salsa? You bet. Yeah, we do. Uh, let's see, last year we did 25 jars of dill pickles. Oh, wow. And uh, quart jars. And, um, oh, uh, I see, it seems like we did some green beans. And then we, the 
fruits, why we just usually do like a freezer jam with that, or I guess I did, I canned up a bunch of cherries, I pitted and then stuffed the pit hole with huckleberries and then canned those. Ooh. I, it was just something I wanted to try, I did, you know, because we're friends with the Parkers, so we get we can get in on the cherries if we want. So mm-hmm. Those flathead cherries? Oh, yeah, chocolate-covered cherries, and, and then I did some huckleberry, some Parker cherries with Parker huckleberries in them, and, huh. uh, and you know, and I never have even tried them yet. I've oh, been, well, I you have to... made them last year, and I'll have to get some out and try them. Mm-hmm. I've been eating some of those Parker huckleberries. I just had some of my ice cream last night. Oh, man, the best, that's good, aren't they? Yeah, good ones. you can't beat them Parker huckleberries. Uh-huh. That boy, that boy's a mountain boy. He would wrestle a bear for that bag of berries. <laughs> or a morel. Or that dog is. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, how about, got any special techniques for cooking any weird or unusual foods? Like, I'm almost thinking your cherry-stuffed huckleberries would constitute this one. Uh, like, how well, do you make when a... I, when I can those, I just, I have a... a Oh, what that pressure cooker mm-hmm. that I do my canning in, and so yeah. But um, for pies, my wife she just made me a nice uh, cherry pie here. Oh, it's been a couple weeks back, I guess. Mm-hmm. But they sure work good for that. And the huckleberries too. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I'm sorry. I, what was your question? Uh. Got any special techniques for cooking weird or unusual foods? Like, how do you can the cherries with the huckleberries in the hole? Like, how do well, you? Well, you, first you got to pit them, and then you just take and you stuff one or two hucks in your pit hole, and then I'll just do a jar full. But what do you little, do? You put like a liquid in there, or some sugar? Well, put, or what do you got to put with put cherries? A little bit of sugar, yeah, a little bit of sugar, cherry water in there, but okay. not much, and then just pressure cook it. And they're just their own juices will come out. Oh, okay. And it works pretty good that way. And then I also I do a, a cherry huckleberry syrup that I make for my pancakes, and, mm. which is quite delicious. But right. if you like that kind of stuff, you got to make it yourself. And and all you do is you just I all I do is I just smash the cherries and the berries together and put some sugar on them and and boil that for a little while just in their own juices and then freezer jam it or you can can it either one okay uh, how soon you're going to use it but that's about as natural as a preserve as you can get in fact i uh, you probably want to use a, a little bit of pectin but uh-huh. I, a lot of times i don't but you know i try to use it within a month or so from the time i make it if i don't but Okay, good to know. How about a favorite recipe you like to cook from the garden? Oh, um, uh, vegetable stir fry with the oh, that was what I left out. I guess it was the zucchinis too. It, we really had really good luck with the which is a squash, but mm-hmm. yeah, we get some pretty good sized zooks going, and uh, so we eat a lot of zucchini. I like to take the zucchini and cut it real in chunks, and then. Um, cook it with a uh, oh a stewed tomatoes or and uh, oh, a little bacon in it and you know just anything to make it good and then another way is uh, to grade the zucchini and then um, make like a cheesecake or not a cheesecake but uh, you get a crust and you make a little cheese in that and so then when you it, uh, that makes patties, you know, kind of like a, be like a vegetable patty, but it's got cheese in it. Oh, no. Tough, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, tell me more about this. What do you mean a zucchini with a crust and cheese mixed well, in? Well, you like, take your, like you take and shred your, shred your, grade your zucchini. Uh-huh. Oh, great, not grade. And, um, and then you mix some cheddar and you know you could use any kind of cheese whatever your cheeses that you like 
you mix that in there, in mix it in, and then a lot of times I like to put uh, ground up real fine bacon pieces in there with it too. But if you can just make it to where it's all veg, you know, just straight vegetable, and then you take and you can either use a, a Oh, what is it? The cracker crust. You make a bunch of cracker crumbs and you put that on the outside and then you put a little egg on top of that and fry it in butter on each side just as you put you get ready to put it in, you put a little egg so the egg stuff on the top and then you put the egg side down, fry it, then when you're ready to flip it you put a little egg on the top side that's up and then you flip it over and then that's what makes your little crust for you. Or you can cool. do that thing. Do that same thing with like a beer batter, with a you know a flour-based batter, but and get a real good result with that too. It just depends on how long you cook them, how crusty it will be. But it's quite delicious. Oh, that sounds really good! And I'm always looking for something to do with my zucchinis. You know, my mom I talk a lot about. I just make that. You know, I just I just make that. I don't have it written down or nothing, but that's pretty much the. You take your your veggies and you experiment them. Uh-huh. Experiment My mom makes a, um, a batter that she puts on the zucchini flowers. She picks right. the flowers and makes like a kind of like a pancake batter, just out of flour and water mm-hmm. and salt and pepper and stuff, and and fries those up. And oh, those are good. See, and that's that same similar deal I'm talking about there. But I like that idea oh, of breeding the zucchini and making like a zucchini. Huh? How was your? How did your mom do it in slices? No, she takes so, like the flour, like the orange flour, oh, and she I just kind of washes them and pats them. Yeah, before it makes a fruit, like just pulls those oh. orange flour, the blossoms off, and and washes them and kind of pats them dry with a paper towel, and then dips them in the flour and water, and and cooks them, fries them up in some olive oil, is all, and oh, those I've are never so had good. That. Yeah. She said the big secret is you got to eat them right away, like right after right, they come out right. of the frying Otherwise pan. They, all wilt, yeah. they get soggy, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, they're so. That was one of my favorite treats when we were kids. And you can wow. pick those flowers and pick those flowers. And pumpkin flowers work too. And you can pick yeah. those flowers and you'll still get a ton of zucchinis. Squash flowers. Yeah. They're really good. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite reading material or a book or a magazine or anything? Any kind of blog well, or website or anything that you go to a lot? Uh, not really. The only thing I've read here recently is The High Times, and I got a few good ideas out of it, but I haven't. <laughs> um, I just, I, in the wintertime, I used to be able to have a little time for reading, but I this time of year, I don't hardly read nothing. I'm busy. Okay. Uh, all right, so here's my final question. Now, it's kind of a long one, so listen Uh-oh. big. But it's it's important one, and I know you're going to have a good answer for us. Uh, if there's one change that you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there like a charity or organization you're passionate about or a project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally or on a national or global scale? Well, I think as as we as individuals, if you're willing to take some of your income and put it into a, a renewable resource like solar, solar is your best option. But then there are other other you know wind and stuff like that. But make some of the power that you use every day. Of course, you're not going to be able to just start out and make all the power you need. But if you work your way towards it, you can lessen the amount of power that you have to buy. And that's what's it causes more degradation to the planet than anything is all these coal-powered uh, electrical plants and so that's that'd be my recommendation for everybody is to um, or per, make make some biodiesel turn some uh, french fry oil into diesel and you know if, you, if that's what you burn um, originally or a while back I was going to start making my own gasoline but I never have got around to it I've got some of the system 
purchased but haven't ever managed to carry through with that but the wife and I each year we try to buy another solar panel uh, we a few years back we started buying got a little system going and now we've got two different we've got a 24 volt system that originally it was set up for our wind generator but I had it uh, wind generator collapsed and I haven't ever stood it got it back up going yet that's actually about ready to go back up but I haven't got to it but since then now we've it was a 24 volt system so we had an opportunity to pick up some 24 volt panels for about half price because they were used but um you know it's just that's the way you can the little deeds you do mm-hmm. can help change the world you know cool i like that uh Okay, so just do you have an inspirational tip or quote to help motivate motivate listeners to reach into that dirt and start their own garden? Um, well, every time you plant a seed and it comes up, you're you're you've created life yourself right there. Cool, Jim. Thank you oh, so that's what, much. That's what inspires me. Yeah, Is, uh, especially if you make the seed and then you plant the that seed and it grows and then you're able to get a seed from that why you're depending upon what you're making you're in business you know it's a blessing Uh every plant you get the blessing and when Mm -hmm. you can grow your own vegetables at least you know who the farmer is very nice thank you so much for coming on the show today sharing your expertise lots of great recipes lots of fun stories for sure, um, you know, cool stuff about the llamas. Certainly nobody's talked about those so far on my podcast, but, um, y- you know, all about, you know, building the soil, which is, you know, just oh, yeah. to me, kind yeah. of the essence of organic gardening, and that's, you know, almost it everybody on there. And, you know, it doesn't have to, it's just like you say, you use chicken manure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's whatever kind of creature you can get if you utilize their manure and let it compost with, with uh, your other waste products that you create every day, and why before long you'll make soil, you know, and that's so what you can't beat it. I tell you, in, in my soil, I just love it when I dig. I'm filling up a pot, or a, I'm getting a trailer load of it, or whatever to bring up, and and you dig in, and right away, as soon as you dump it out, you just see all kinds of earthworms, you know, and that's you know you got good soil when you got worms, so. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also like the part where you talked about, you know, trading resources with people and and getting the fence used fence and lots of used oh, materials yeah, and making use of recycled yeah. stuff. And I think that's important part. I mean, Montanans are kind of useful that way and don't like to see things go to waste. And um, yeah, I know a concern. lot of our house. What are you going to do with this fence? Oh, well, I'm just going to throw it away. You can't do that. Well, you haul it off then. So you bet I will. Yeah, and that, you know, since then now we've managed to um, well, buy fencing there for a few years. We had to buy a new fence and stuff, but heck, we now, you know, every once in a while you get lucky in a yard sale or whatever or in the mountain trader, and you'll pick up a couple hundred feet of chain link, six foot tall. Well, that's, you know, it's just about what you need to keep a llama in is six foot because, um, you know, a happy llama, they they won't doesn't take nothing to keep them in but an unhappy llama boy they can get out of anything so oh, uh-huh. good to know uh i've been finding these chickens that we have this year we just got nine chickens off of the eureka free facebook group the oh, first day nice. i signed on there and here's this thing saying free chickens to give away and it was so funny because she lived right across the highway from us right by mud creek here and oh, um yeah. These chickens are like the nicest chickens we've ever had, and they—I let them out, and they follow me around, and I can call them yeah. and put them back in their yeah, pen, and they're just friends. like pets. Yeah, yeah, they're the best chickens I've ever had. I always kind of stayed away from the chickens because I didn't like them being in the pen. I'm always like, Mike, the chickens want out. The chickens told me they want out. So this year I finally have chickens. Now once yeah, we actually the, plant this garden up here, he's been planting his new little mini farm that he built down. He's got a whole nother section fenced off. 
that the oh, chickens excellent. can't get into. But I've been letting them out up here where the fruit trees are and the stuff that, you know, is going to go in from starts, you know, the tomatoes and things that haven't started yet. So we've been letting them kind of loose. And that's been fun. Yeah. So I'm getting to like yeah. the chickens more. So. Yeah. Well, and plus they're out, they're out there eating the bugs in that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're so, really good for, you know. That's, uh-huh. We've been debating whether to take on a few ourselves. But my uh-huh. neighbor right across the street has them, so we used to be able to get eggs from them all the time. But Oh, my gosh. We have now, so many eggs. My refrigerator is just overflowing with eggs. I don't know what to do with them all. <laughs> you're ever you up in this area. Egg pie. You make oh, egg well, pie. You, uh, well, you know, Mike usually makes the macaroons, and then he'll make homemade noodles. With yeah. the yolks, because the macaroons are all the whites, and then the yolks. But I, we just haven't had time this year. He hasn't baked right. hardly a thing. So, um, but no, I have like I bet there's nine dozen eggs in my fridge right now, and he just gave wow. some yesterday. I mean, yeah, we are like an egg. <laughs> just every day he goes down there and brings up like three dozen eggs, and I'm like, oh my goodness, they're really <laughs> laying. I don't know. Well, sorry, listeners, we got disconnected. So thanks for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed our episode with Jim Swanson from Fantasyland Llamas here in Montana. And um, I'll just give you his phone number again that he gave to all of us. If you want any of that llama dung, it's 406-837-3694. You can get a hold of him and get some of that great llama compost if you're um, in Montana and want to uh, grow some food in that. So down at a big fork. Thanks for listening to the Organic Gardener podcast. Uh, This week, we posted our first gardening challenge for 2015. If you go to our website at awesomemontana.com, that's A-W-E-S-O-M-E-M-O-N-T-A-N-A, and click on the top um, where it says gardening challenge, 2015 gardening challenge, you can fill out the form or you can just send me an email to the organic gardener podcast at gmail.com. Um, and just include your name, how many people are in your household, what vegetable fruit or flower do you want to grow this season? How much do you plan to grow? And the challenge is to grow enough for your family for two to three months. Um, We just went with the season because it's our first challenge and it is kind of late this year. If you're going to pick a flower, I would just, you know, pick like, um, plan on growing like enough to have one or two, to pick one or two bouquets a week. Um, If you're going to pick like a vegetable like lettuce, um, you know, how much lettuce would your family eat? You know, a couple of salads a week, or maybe, you know, you're like me, you need a salad almost every day or twice a day. Um, if you want to pick a vegetable like carrots or potatoes, how, how much would you buy from the store? Would you buy like a two pound bag of carrots once a week? You know, a 10 pound bag of potatoes once a week or once every two weeks? You know, how much does your family usually eat? Um, so what would you, you know, kind of figure out what you would eat in a in a season and then just tell us where you're located and if you want to send any pictures we would love to share some pictures on our website and just get to know our listeners and and what can we help you with that's the biggest um, question you know is there anything that we can do to help your garden be successful you know we just really want to share our love and knowledge of gardening and do anything to help our listeners so I really want to encourage you to check out our website. Um, like I said, the easiest way to get there is go to awesomemontana.com. Click on the link for Mike's Green Gardener, Garden and the Organic Gardener podcast. And um, and then if you, the show notes are there for all the shows. If you want to, you know, if there was a guest you listened to that you want to hear from or see their show notes, the links to everything is always up. Um and then, you know, there's some great resources there, of course. And also, um, just send us an email to the organic gardener at the organic gardener podcast at um, gmail.com. It's just O R G A N I C G A R D E N E R P O D C A S T at gmail.com. There's no spaces in between, it's all lowercase, just organic gardener podcast at gmail.com. Um, and, uh, let us know what you think. Thank you so much for listening. We broke 20,000 downloads today. I just can't believe it. Um, the podcast is just doing so well, so we must be doing something right. Uh, And I just, uh, 
appreciate everybody who's listening and sends us any emails or feedback. Um, you know, you can find us on Twitter. I think it's Organic G Podcast is our handle at Organic G Podcast on Twitter. Um, you know, you can reach out to me there, but certainly emails right goes right to my phone. I check it every single day. Twitter, I check, you know, every couple of days or something. Um, but just let us know how it's going, if we can do anything, and sign up for the gardening challenge. Um, there's a copy of Rodale's Ultimate Encyclopedia of Gardening that's going to go to one winner. Um, so uh, thanks for listening and have a great day.